0: Who's ready for the word today? Okay. So, start out by asking you a question. Have you ever had a dream or a desire that's been in your heart, a dream for something in your future, a dream for something that you envisioned that brought you just fire and, and passion when you thought about it and dreamed about it. Have you ever had something like that in your life that you felt like was perhaps maybe from God? Maybe it was for a family. Maybe it was for a business. Maybe it was for you know some kind of an effort to reach people or help people. Could be a lot of different things. I'd like to submit to you today that our God is, in fact, an author of dreams and desires. That He puts things in us that He wants to bring to fruition, to bless us and to bless the world around us. The message today, if you're taking notes, is called stewarding a dream. Stewarding a dream. I think we can learn from people like Joseph... That God can give us a dream, but we can also mishandle it, right? We can mishandle it. We can get in our own way, so to speak. So stewarding a dream, how we do that, how we walk that out for men and women of God, I think is of great significance. I have a kind of crazy theory Assumption, if you will, and that's that there are things right now inside of each of you, desires and dreams that God has placed in there, or perhaps will place in there, that them coming to fruition is really important to blessing the world around us and advancing the kingdom of God. So how we steward those is really what we're going to take a look at today. I hope, my prayer, is that perhaps if you're somebody who's given up on dreaming, you've abandoned that. Maybe you've experienced disappointment. Maybe you're afraid to dream because you don't want to be let down. Maybe you've tried to dream before in the past and you feel like things got crushed. I don't know. Maybe you're just somebody that's never allowed yourself to go there before because your upbringing was very scarcity mentality and very limited. But there's many situations I'm hoping and praying today that God might just breathe on, that he might just ignite a spark in some people to either awaken or rekindle or just advance a dream, a desire that he has put in you that he wants to see through to completion. Would that be okay? All right, open your Bibles to Psalms 37. We're going to start there. Psalms 37. I'll say one more thing before we read the opening text. If you're, if you're married, you're a couple, spouses, I can't encourage you enough to dream together. To dream together for what God might have for your future. Where he might be leading your household and your family. You know, some couples they dream independently, like parallel paths that never intersect. But I encourage you to dream together. There's a there's a, an elevation level of those things that can people can get to when they intersect and they begin to dream together as a family unit and even as a household with our children. All right. Psalms thirty seven. Verse one. This is a psalm of David, and he writes, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity. For there shall soon be cut down they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I love that verse. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently. For him, stop there. Let's let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus, we pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would move in this place today. We acknowledge God. If there's a work to be done, a great work to be done here, uh, it cannot be done apart from you. And so we just we kind of submit now corporately to your purposes here. We thank you for. The individuality of each and every person and we thank you for the unity of our connectedness in the body. And we say do a work in each of our lives and do a work through your body today at the same time. We come against any kind of distraction, any kind of lie or stronghold that may be binding someone up in truth. It might be preventing them from hearing the truth of your word that we know and acknowledge God is able to set us free. Truth sets us free. And so we just decree and declare that there would be no demonic spirit or, or presence or force that would be allowed to operate in this place and in this environment today. And God, we come against that in the name of Jesus Christ. We say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And everybody said together, amen. Amen. So a few things I want to go through today with you on just stewarding a dream. Things we can learn from Scripture. How do we carry this? How do we steward this? Uh, So that from inception to maturity, we can see it through. That God can, can finish this work in us that He intends to do. We don't get in our own way. Point number one is that we have to hold on to it. We have to hold on to it. When God births something in us and it's from Him... We have to we have to discern it, we have to sift it, we have to know the difference in things that are coming at us that are from God and things that aren't. How many would agree that we also have desires that aren't from God? True. True. Flesh gets in the way, selfishness gets in the way. Sometimes we get a little bit mixed up and muddied on things, and so we've got to discern when things are from God and when they're not. But when God is putting them in us, when he is the source, We recognize that, and then we've got to hold on to that. The enemy wants to try to take anything he can that God is trying to do in us and mess it up. So we hold on to it. When it comes to us, one of a a good kind of tests that we can do, questions that we can ask ourselves as we try to handle this thing and figure out where to go with it is, is the way I always ask myself the question is this kingdom? Is it kingdom? Because even things that God brings to us that are of Him, we separate, okay, this is from God, this is, you know, not from my flesh or my selfishness, but even once we've kind of separated it out, this is from God, then we can actually approach it in a way that starts to mess things up. me say it like this, we can take a hold of something and instead of trying to build God's kingdom, we can actually start trying to advance our own kingdom. It's a common thing in ministry that pastors run into a lot is, you know, we start out in ministry just trying to build God's kingdom. There's not much there. We're kind of just beginning, and then things grow, and they get, you know, all of a sudden you've got all this around you, and then pastors who are insecure, they can, they can start trying to build up their own little kingdom, and then what was once about God's kingdom then becomes about their own kingdom, and what was once pure then becomes tainted. And so we just ask ourselves this question as I go forward with this, is my agenda First and foremost, above anything else, to build God's kingdom and not my own. Don't all of you agree at once on that? Okay. Here's another good test Is and where we're at with that. If God asked me to lay it down, would it be easy for me to do that? Because if we would struggle to let go, then perhaps we might have just adjusted a little bit too much in the wrong direction where now this thing is about us instead of about, it's just God's kingdom. Because the genuine heart just says, God, whatever you want to use me to do to build your kingdom, whatever that looks like, like that's what I'm signed up for. And God will put desires and dreams in our heart say, okay, I'm going to plant something in there and I want to start to grow this thing up and when that thing comes to fulfillment, it's going to be a blessing to you, it's going to be a blessing to the world around you. So that question, is this kingdom? If God doesn't want it for us, why would we want it anyway? Right? Is this from Him? Proverbs 13, 12, if you could put that up there. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, or other translations say when the dream is realized, it is a tree of life. Dreams fulfilled, desires achieved, they're life-giving to God's people. <laughs> Say it that way. They're life-giving. God intends for us to experience that, to know that. This whole hope deferred makes the heart sick can, can help us to see and understand if God puts us a desire and a dream in us that we just can't get away from He's not like some God that's just dangling a carrot out there that we're never going to reach. It's not his intention for that thing to be deferred forever, delayed forever. Now, sometimes we think things are being deferred too long, but let me tell you something about God. He's perfect. So his timing is perfect. He's never too early and he's never too late. He's always on time. Never too much and never too little. Right? So he doesn't intend for it to be deferred forever and us to be heartsick, he he intends for that to come to realization. Throughout the course of our life, our years on earth, we ought to be able to say, as I walked with God for however many years, God put dreams in my heart and I saw them come to pass. Hmm. I love the other part of that verse in Psalms 37 where he says, feed on his faithfulness. Uh, Feed on it. He's a faithful God. Paul says in Second Timothy that even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. So here's, here's the encouragement when it comes to dreams, you know, holding on to it and stewarding a dream is that we can and probably will mess up along the way. But if we can recover from our mess-ups and keep recalibrating back to God's path, guess what? He's a faithful God. He never breaks a promise. He says, feed on that because when when you ponder that, when you dwell on that, when your faith is driven by that, it will feed your soul. Okay, I may have made a mistake, but God never does. This dream does not have to be aborted just because I might have went off track at some point in my life. This desire can still continue. Another way you can say feed on his faithfulness, I like this, is enjoy security. Enjoy the security of being in this place that God is portioning out for you. Right? It's It's a portion. It's a destiny. It's part of your plan. So here it is, here's the land, here's the, the, the tent pegs out here. Enjoy it. Enjoy what He's giving you. Dwell in the land, which means to settle down, occupy it, and cultivate it. When, when we were, been in Israel a couple of times, and there's always this particular day that, oh, it just always gets me. We'll be driving on the bus through the valley of the Golan. The Golan Mountains are kind of on the northern and eastern uh, border of Israel. And as you're driving down through the valley and you're looking around, you will see evidence of uh, uh, settlements, communities, agriculture, you know, families that had been raised up and, uh, and continued on in these, in these places. But there was a particular site that struck me the one day we were going through there. There was an old tractor that was broken down, much like we'll maybe see sometimes on farms around here. But what was different about this particular tractor that was rusted out and broke down is it had all kinds of battle cages, war cages around it, shields, armor. And I was just like, what's that all about? Like it's a tractor. And it was... What our tour guide said next is, stuck with me ever since. He said, Matt, the Bible tells us that we are to go in to our promised land and to possess it. He said, our enemies have lived around us ever since God gave us this promise. And they've been trying to take from us what God has given us. He said those battle cages on the tractors are because the families who lived here were trying to raise their families and work the land, and they had schools. But they were protecting themselves from the bombs and the rockets that were constantly being launched in from the upper Golan Heights into these valleys, trying to run us off and get us to give up and let go of what God had already portioned out to us. Last week I was preaching, if you were here, I talked about compromise, and one of the ways that looks is settling for less than what God actually wants to give us. It really hit a nerve with me that day when I was talking about it, and I was thinking on that as well, and this point is our tour guide was saying, we hunker down, we stay here, we work the land, we raise our families, we build schools, yes, there's the threat of enemy presence, but we continue to to stand firm on what God has given us. We're dwelling in the land. We're occupying what God has already portioned out to us. And I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is the enemy will try to run you off. He'll try to run you out of the places that God intends for you to occupy and dwell in. But if you can look beyond the threat and look to the God who is protecting you, who has authored that desire, instead of being afraid, you can actually feed on his faithfulness. It can be nurturing and sustaining to you as you're caring and stewarding this desire and dream that God might have put in your heart. Does that make sense? So that's point number one is hold on to it. Point number two is cultivate it. Cultivate it. When God gives it to us, when He puts something in us, a desire or a dream, you know, what does is, what is an expression of that look like? What is a next step that you can maybe take to cultivate what God has put in you? I think sometimes people, I know I've done it before, we get these dreams and desires and, and we kind of see some of the big picture. That, that makes us passionate and excited about where God wants to take us, but then we we often will fail to take small steps now that can lead us in the direction that God wants us to go now let's just say God may have put something on someone's heart to start a shelter for homeless people or a feeding shelter or, or for for women or something like that and they they know man one day God's going to i mean we're going to Open one of those up. We're going to start them. We're going to build them. But but maybe there's one right now that you could volunteer at and that you could serve at. And you could get into space and let God start doing something while you're cultivating what he's already put in you to start with. So we've got to cultivate it. Galatians 6, uh, verse 7. Verses 7 through 9. They say this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Another translation says do not faint. I love this. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap, right? Cultivate it. Take action. Move forward with what God has put in our heart. If we're not getting the harvest now that we want to see, possibly we haven't been planting the seeds that we need to be planting to get the harvest that we want to get, right? I mean, if you plant corn, you're not going to get apples, Fair enough. You plant corn. like, I'm really surprised I'm getting corn. I just don't understand. What are we doing to take action with what God has put in our heart right now? Are we taking steps of faith forward or are we just kind of like not moving with what God has already positioned us to do? And he says in verse nine, I love it. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we will reap. If we do not faint, I believe it's in Psalms, where he says that you will enjoy the fruits of your labor. Not, not if, it's when. So here again, we see that there is a harvest that's promised if God put it in us, if we stay the course. But what are, what are some conditions that surround that? Because we do, we see conditions there that surrounds some of these things. God's always going to deliver on His part, but there's conditions that we have to honor and walk in. And one of those things, He says, that can, that can mess up a dream coming to fruition, a harvest being reaped, is that people get weary. And, and to get weary means to become faint-hearted, to become spiritually weakened, or to just give up and quit. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever in your life experienced weariness, fatigue, or exhaustion in something you were trying to accomplish that made you want to quit or give up? The enemy loves to get us weary, spiritually weakened. But let me tell you something that I've learned about God, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to, you're going to have to kind of hear me out the rest of the way on this. The enemy loves to get us weary, but God likes to make us wait. Now again, he's perfect. So his his timing is perfect, never too early, never too late. But God enjoys making us wait, meaning it says you will reap in due time. Due time means it's reached its full maturity. It has worked through the process that God has allotted for this thing to take before it comes to fruition. Wow. So if we will stay the course in due time, when God's point of maturity has been reached, then we know that the harvest can be reaped. But God enjoys the process. He's a God of processes. Because in the waiting and in the process, here's what you'll find Is that God does things in us and through us, through that process, that affect the outcome of what's coming. And we meet God, we see God, we understand God through the process of cultivation before the harvest is reached, don't we? That actually over time, remember he says... Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Enjoy the process. Enjoy walking with God through the journey, because here's what you'll find. What starts you know, in a kind of raw form, desire, and dream, and even the way we pray about it and map it out and contend for it, as we delight ourselves in the Lord and walk through the process he's allotted for it. This is what I have found, the way I pray and the way I see the desire actually begins to bend and shift and adjust more and more to be in line with the way God sees this thing happening. It's like our desires align to become in line with God's desires as we go through that process. In due time, we shall reap. He says, don't stop doing good. Can I say that to, to us today? Don't stop doing good. Don't stop moving forward. Living a godly life. You might look around you and think, well, pastor, you easy for you to say, I don't see any evidence that this thing is working right now. Nothing's happening. I've been doing good and working at this thing a long time, and nothing is, nothing's happening. Now, I'm not saying there aren't times where we've got to move off of something, but if God's put that in you, and he desires to bring it to pass, then what I am saying is if we will stay the course, then we will eventually begin to see that God is doing something that we might not even always be able to see the evidence of while it's happening. Keep doing good. Don't stop. Know that even in those steps of faith, God is advancing something, even if we don't see all of the progress visually or naturally On the surface. Uh, My dad, he runs a construction business, and he's approaching retirement now. He's been doing this for decades. Uh, His business construction is in the masonry field, so he does a lot of brick, block, stone, commercial residential building, stuff like that. I worked out there for quite a few years uh, earlier on, and I always enjoyed, more than any of the other material applications, working with stone just comes out of the earth, big rock, like natural stone, not fake. But. And so the process of building stone buildings, uh, you know, you get the, these big pieces of stone, and we would use these heavy hammers and these, they call them sets, chisels, basically. And they had these special carbide tips. And here's what you'd have to do. You'd have to take the set and the hammer and the big piece of stone And wherever you wanted to cut it, to break it into a certain shape to make it fit in the wall the way it needed to, you would have to score it. You'd hit it. I mean, maybe a hundred times in some cases or more. You'd hit it, and then you'd move it, and you'd hit it, and you'd go all the way around, all four sides, and you'd keep doing this, striking it again, striking it again, striking it again. And then something really amazing happened. On one particular strike, whatever number that ended up being, that stone broke, and it broke right along the line in the place that you'd been scoring it around the entire time. And the Lord just kind of spoke to me one day, he just used this as an object lesson, and he said, that's a lot like doing good. It's a lot like eventually reaping a harvest in due time and not getting weary. We have a tendency to think it was that 133rd strike that really broke that stone. But that's not true. It was every single one of those 133 strikes along the way that gradually fractured that rock till it eventually separated where it was supposed to be. See, I don't know for sure where you're at, maybe in a dream or desire that you're going after with the God, But it's fair to say there's a good possibility that it might just be a couple more strikes that your breakthrough is on the other side of. (laughs) It often happens that way. We get weary and fatigued and want to give up and quit, or we just lose heart. We get spiritually weakened. We lose faith. We stop feeding on His faithfulness. We see the natural limitations and forget about our God of the impossible. And then all of a sudden, our spirit man shifts right before the breakthrough comes to pass. Now we begin to see why it's important that we stay encouraged through the process and know, keep doing good. Keep doing good. Keep striking the stone. Keep striking the rock. Amen? Amen. Last point on stewarding a dream, stay close to the source. Stay close. Please stay close to the source. I look at it like this. If there's a desire, a dream that God has put in my heart, He's the author of that thing. It's really even less about the thing than it is about Him. But if I want to see that thing... Remember in the Psalms that we opened, it says, be patient... And wait on the Lord. He will bring it to pass. So, staying close to the source, you know, for me, means that as I'm stewarding this dream, this big thing that God's put in me to see through, He's trusted me with it. I I look at that as a privilege, like, wow, He's trusting me to carry this. Of anybody else that He would give that to. And while that's happening... I can't lose my priorities. I can't forget that growing close to God and having a close relationship and cultivating that flame is ultimately the life source and flow that's going to fertilize and enrich and bring whatever desire to fulfillment that's in me. Stay close. I want to read to you a few verses out of a story in Genesis 25, you may know this story, it's about Isaac and Rebekah. And just to remind you that God had given Abraham, Isaac's father, uh, understanding about a desire, a dream that God had put in his heart to have a big family and a lineage that would grow and multitudes of descendants, and so Isaac's coming along, and he's kind of just following on with this thing that's already started, but there's some complications with Isaac and with Rebekah. The Bible says that she was barren. I mean, you know what barren means, right? Barren womb. She means she can't have kids, so something, something conflicts here. God's promise, natural report. So let's just read verse 20. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife. She was the daughter of Bethuel. He was a Syrian of Padam Aram. And, she, and he was the uh, sister of Laban the Syrian. Anyway, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. So the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Sounds great. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. Now listen to this. Isaac was 60 years old when she, Rebekah, bore the children. So let me just ask you. Did you catch something there? Because we could pass by this story and completely miss something I think is very relevant to stewarding a dream. How old was she or was he whenever she gave birth? 60. How old was he when he started praying? 40. Hmm. I'm slow at math, so I'm doing it in my head, but that's 20 years. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait 20 days for something. (laughs) 20 years? I think it speaks to us. I think it helps us understand. There was a desire, a dream in his heart that he had to cultivate for years before God finally brought this thing to fulfillment. But when he did, it was more perfect than the way Isaac could have imagined. But get this, this part about Rebecca. She knows that she's finally pregnant after all these years. Hallelujah, praise God. The dream is going to happen. But then all of a sudden she starts having problems. Something's not right. There's too much disturbance beneath the surface for what there should be for a child I'm worried. And so what does she do? Which is what we should do. She inquires of the Lord. Let me talk to the one who started this thing before I go the wrong direction here. And what does the Lord say to her? I love this. This is so good. He says, oh, yeah, there is disturbance happening. And if it was just one Child, I think we can understand why she would be worried and concerned. There's too much going on for one baby. Something's not right. The pregnancy could be going wrong. But what does God say? He says, Rebecca, there are two nations in your womb. Wow. You getting it? If there was one child then there would have probably been reason for concern. But the reason things were rumbling differently beneath the surface, guys, it's because the dream and the desire was bigger from the way God had seen it and was bringing it to pass than she ever even understood or thought it to be to begin with. I'll remind you of Ephesians 3.20 that says we serve God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever think or ask or pray for. There's where we come in, and then God is over the top of that. He's speaking to her and saying, no, 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 there's not a problem. The only thing that's happening is what I'm doing is bigger than you've even expected it to be. And he doesn't just say there are two babies Oh, he could have did that. He says, there are two nations in your womb. When we inquire of the Lord, the author of the desires and the dreams that he's putting in us, something amazing will happen. God will speak to the fullness of the destiny that he's put in us. It's not just two children. It's two nations that are in your womb. I'm not sure she could have even comprehended in that moment what he was really saying. Wow. Wow. And God will speak to the fullness of the desires and the dreams that He's placing in us. But when He brings them to pass, can I just encourage you with this today? When He brings them to pass, they will be better than you've ever imagined. And that's why He says, feed on His faithfulness. Because we should be able to look back in our lives and see... The times when we've walked with a faithful God. He's been faithful all of my life. I don't know about you. But I have no reason.